Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Would you turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2? Because we haven't come to discuss masks. We came to be taught the Word of God. Amen? Uh, and to learn what the Lord would have us know about Him, His character, His nature, and how He would have us live in this world. As I shared with you in our introduction to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, like no other book in the entirety of the New Testament, gives us these admonitions, these strong encouragements towards something, and it does so for a reason. And the very first one begins chapter 2, the first four verses. And it is the danger of drifting. You see, here's why it begins this way. And we'll read verse 1 in just a moment. But there is a reason that the very first admonition is the one that can keep you from coming under fire For all of the rest. So that you won't need to be admonished. You won't need to be encouraged about defying the Lord. Because with all things, disobeying the Lord has a beginning. And that disobedience of the Lord for most people is not outright defiance. It's actually simply not paying attention to that great salvation that you have in Christ Jesus. It is drifting. It's being passive about your walk with the Lord. It is not direct disobedience that comes into our lives in in the beginning of our walks with the Lord. Very often it's simply us not watching where we're going, not thinking about what we are doing. Actually, it is a passive thing and not an active thing. Notice how this begins, verse 1, here in Hebrews 2, and therefore... We must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask, we even invite, Lord, that you would come and instruct your church. Send your Holy Spirit to speak to us. Lord, I pray for anyone that's here today that is in that dangerous place of drifting away from their salvation. Lord, not just that one moment in time when they said yes to your offer of grace, but to the life that they were then commanded to live in sanctification. Lord, that we would grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, that we would be like you in all things. And Lord, help us to never begin that process of being disobedient by drifting away from you. And so speak to us as your church, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Notice as this passage opens up here in chapter 2, that perhaps I think one of the biggest spiritual issues we really face is addressed here. Because nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, you know, gosh, I hope I become a heroin addict today. Nobody begins to, you know, I really want to wreck my marriage Very few people would ever get up and say, you know, I hope I just become a despicable person this afternoon. 
most of us don't ever just begin with direct defiance or disobedience to the things that we have and know we should be in Christ. We simply begin to not pay attention to what we're supposed to be seeing, what we're supposed to be doing, what we should be filling our lives with, how we should be hearing the word of the Lord and in being doers. In other words, our problem is passivity in a world that is actively against us. Because this world is not our friend. This world is a dangerous place for believers. I want to begin by giving you a picture, and I hope it will work for you in your minds, and you can use it throughout this morning's message. We live here in Southern California. I think most of us have spent some time at the beach. Amen? You've been to the beach. You've been out in the waves. You've been in the water. You understand what I'm about to say. When you go to the beach, one of the things that you like to do, I would assume, is to go out actually into the water, into the waves. Normally what you do is you set up on the beach and you have your beach chair and your umbrella. Maybe you've got an easy up or there's a lifeguard tower that you're either directly in front of or you can see from where you are in the water. And so as you begin your wonderful time in the surf, normally you pay attention, that's my chair and that's my umbrella, that's the easy up, that's the lifeguard tower. Any of you ever been out in the water after a while and you look and go, that's not my beach chair. That's not my umbrella. That is not my easy up. In fact, my lifeguard tower is 200 yards that way. What happened? You got pushed along by the current. You drifted. You didn't do anything active. You did not pay earnest heed. You didn't pay attention to the current that was in the water that imperceptibly to you pushed you down the coastline a couple hundred yards. In other words, you didn't actually do anything. It's the fact that you did nothing that got you down there. You didn't paddle against the current. That is the picture here in Hebrews chapter 2. Take heed lest you drift away. Why? Because this world is filled with a current that is called the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it is opposing you and trying to push you away from where you are supposed to be. As you think on this passage, as we'll read the rest of these first four verses in a moment, Jesus didn't just die to save you, though that is the primary thing that needs to happen so that you can be saved and go to heaven. He died to perfect you. He died to sanctify you. He died to make you into his image. He died to make you his sons and daughters. He died so that you could not only be set free, but so that you could use your freedom for those things which are God's perfect purposes in your life. And so you have to be active about that because that sanctification process is being opposed by El Diablo. Amen? Anybody notice that the Christian life is not a life of just sitting around going, well, I just you know woke up and I'm more like Jesus today. If you get up in the morning and you are not actively opposing the things that are in this world, you are not going to become more like Jesus. You're going to become more like the world. You're going to drift away. You're going to start getting pushed down the beach. 
Why? Because he who's in this world is very powerful. But the one who's in you is greater, but you have to seize that greatness, put on your faith flippers, and start swimming the other way. Because if you don't, you are going to go where the tide of this world will take you. Well, where will it take you? It'll take you no place good. Amen? Turn on the television. Are you going to drift closer to Jesus or away from Jesus, generally speaking? Probably away. Unless you're watching the Clippers whoop on the suns this afternoon. (laughs) Had to get that plug in. But you understand what I'm saying. If you go into the world, you can expect the world to oppose your Christian views. Amen? It's going to push on you. Let's take the rest of these verses. Let's read verse 1 again together. And therefore, we must give earnest heed. The more earnest heed. You have to really pay attention to the things which we have heard. What is that? That's not just that Jesus saves. That is that Jesus sanctifies. The Bible is not simply the story of you getting saved and going to heaven. It's you getting saved and then you being doers of the word, not just hearers only, just exactly as James said. Us being like Christ, not just being saved by him. Lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received its just reward, how then shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Notice that again, this is passive. It's just neglect. Think about the things in your life that you can possibly neglect. What happens if you do not pay attention to the dipstick in your car? For those of you that don't know what that is, that's not a person. It's not somebody under the hood. That, that is a thing that measures the amount of oil that's in your oil pan, which lubricates your engine so that your camshaft and your crankshaft and your pistons go up and down. They don't seize because they overheat from too much friction. You don't have oil in it. What happens if you don't pay attention to the amount of oil in your car? It blows up. The exact same thing will happen in your life if you do not pay attention to how much of the Holy Spirit you are implying uh, by usage that you actually know what it says and are now doing what you're supposed to do because you are living epistles, according to Peter. You're, You're not just passive, you're actually supposed to live out these things. And so notice what the writer says. Look, if you neglect it, you don't pay attention. What great salvation. You see, the salvation that you got came not just with your eternal security of heaven, but it came with the promise that you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That your life is now hidden in Christ, and the life that you now live, you live for him. That you are a doer of the word, not just a hearer only, that you are to be like him, because that's what a Christian actually is and means. You see, for us, we sometimes look at this Christian experience like, well, I said the sinner's prayer, so therefore, therefore I'm good to go. Not so, church. We are not to neglect the salvation that we have. We are to pay attention to what we gain through that grace gift that we have in Christ Jesus. Yes, you've been saved by grace through faith. That's a gift. It's not of you. You can't boast about it. You got saved because Jesus died on the cross, but he saved you, Ephesians 2 says, 
for good works, that you should walk in them. Why is that important? That means you're on a mission. And you need to be mission critically thinking. You need to look at your life and say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Because if you don't think that way, then here comes the enemy. He's going to go, well, here's what God wants Jeff to do, but let me oppose that work. Let me start a war with him. Let me push him away from the things that God wants him to do. And let me push him towards the things the world will offer in a plethora. How should we escape? which first began to be spoken of by the Lord. Jesus told us about it. My kingdom is not of this world. Amen? Jesus was talking about another kingdom. He was preparing us for kingdom living while we're still on this earth. That's why he did the things he did. Jesus didn't just walk around going, you need to get saved, you need to get saved, you need to get saved. No, he talked about sanctification. What would happen once you get saved? How you would then live? You don't believe that, read the Sermon on the Mount. Begin in Matthew chapter 5, go through chapter 8, and look and see how many of those things are actions that we are supposed to undertake. Be a peacemaker if you want peace. Be merciful if you want to see mercy in your life. Be a forgiver if you want to be forgiven. Do you understand? Those be attitudes mean that you got to be something. Do something. Not neglect your salvation. You see, you could theoretically be saved and not be much for the kingdom. But the Bible doesn't teach that that's a way of really successful kingdom living. It just means that you got your fire insurance, you put the policy in your back pocket, and you're just waiting to go home. That's not what we've been called to do, church. We are not to neglect the salvation that was paid for by the blood of, with the blood of the Lord. Confirm to us by those who heard him. In other words, who's writing this is obviously one of the apostles. They actually heard Jesus. And God also bearing witness, both through signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. In other words, it's a tangible, real thing, this salvation that we are not supposed to neglect. Lest we drift away. So the dangers... Of drifting. What that means is this, because if you don't resist the enemy, look, James is going to tell us when we go through our study of James, we're supposed to resist the devil and then he'll flee. But if you go camping with the devil, he is very happy to camp with you. You know, if you like get your nice little, your perfect campsite there in the campground and you put up a sign that says, all devils welcome, he'll come. You see, you can be active in your faith or you can be passive in your faith. If you are passive in your faith, by doing nothing, you're going to get what this world has to offer. And I can tell you, it's not going to be a whole lot of Jesus. You're not going to end up more like him because you do nothing in this world. You're going to end up less like him, maybe even pushed completely away from him. What does it mean to take heed or to give a more earnest heed? It means to draw attention to what is said and then actually do something with it, to act on it. And so the opposite of that is actually listed here, which is drifting, lest you drift away. So if you were to take heed of your salvation, that means to pay attention. This is what salvation looks like. And to do nothing with that is to put yourself in exactly the opposite place, which is you now don't do anything with the salvation that you have. It's to take a passive line. 
It's, it's us sitting there looking at it, just saying, yeah, you know, okay, well, you know, I think it's great. I want to be a Christian. But if you don't do anything with your Christianity, what's going to happen when that first John 2 world comes in contact? What's going to happen when the world and your flesh and the devil opposes you? Do you think that current's going to push you along someplace? It most certainly is. And so what James goes on to talk about is being doers of the word and not just hearers only. In other words, we can hear it, we can understand what is expected of us or how we should live, but if we just passively kind of sit there, well, that's nice. Those are really sweet sentiments. I'm so happy that that's part of what a Christian should be, but you don't take it to heart and you don't do anything with it, you are going to end up someplace just like no one wakes up in the morning and wants to be a heroin addict. You may end up in a place that you never thought you would go by simply doing nothing with your salvation. You can just go to sleep. You can sit around and you know what? You're going to get beat on and you're going to get pushed. You're going to be forced into going directions that you do not want to go. And as we go through this marvelous book, you're going to see this path that ultimately ends in outright and utter defiance against the things of the Lord. But here's where it begins. You see, what begins with drifting can end up in defying. Now, defying is active disobedience. But it starts here with you just not paying attention. Not watching where you go. Not watching what you put into your mind. Deuteronomy 8.5 says, You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord chastens those whom he loves. In other words, sometimes by not paying attention, you can end up getting chastened. Amen. Any of you ever had your children walk out into the street because they weren't paying attention? What do you do? As a parent, you do not stand on the sidewalk and go, well, I hope it makes it. It's really kind of a bummer. Oh, well. Golly, one less kid. No, you scream your brains out, right? Get out of the street! And sometimes you say some other things you should probably keep to yourself, but what do you do? You chasten the child you love. You yell at them. Get out of there. You're going to get run over. God does exactly the same thing. If you're not paying attention and you step into the devil's path, you can expect the Lord to give you a good old-fashioned whooping. To do whatever is necessary to convince you you're going the wrong direction. That's why these admonitions are here in this amazing book. You see, I always, always chasten those whom I love. If I really love them, if I know something's deadly dangerous, I'm not just going to sit there and go, oh, oh well. We shouldn't be the ones sitting in the current going, how'd we get to Mexico? You see, you go off the coast of California, go out two, three hundred yards, you get into the California current, which is the combination of the Humboldt current and the California current, and it starts flowing down our coast. If you do nothing, you better learn to speak Spanish. 
Because that's where you're going. You're just going to end up getting pushed right where the current goes. The same is true in our lives, church. So let's reflect a little bit on what it means to neglect. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's sit in the living room and talk together about holy living. You see, because you don't have to do anything to be in a place where unholy things are going to come in contact with you. And as I said, keep that analogy. You're on the beach. Your beach chair is set up. Your umbrella is there. You're looking, and, and there it is. It's right in front of you, and you just kind of get in your pink flamingo, and you start floating. You're out in the current. You're anchored to nothing. You're not doing anything with your salvation. You're just kind of out there. It's like, ooh, wow, I got my iced tea, and the sun's nice, and buenos dias, señor. No es America. You know, before you know it, you're like down in Ensenada someplace. Why? You neglected to look and see where you were. That's what happens to us in this world. 1 John 2, verse 15, do not love the world. Very plain statement. Or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You notice how this is active? This is love in action. In other words, actively seeking the things of the world. So you can actively seek the things of the world, or you can actively seek the things of God. You can either do nothing with regard to your salvation, and you will get the things of the world by default. The current flows... Or you can actively seek the things of God, which causes you to put on your faith flippers and go the other way. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. And the world is passing away the lust of it, but he who does the will of the Father, that person abides forever. Very important. Because what's in view here is the person who either passively sits around and goes, well, you know, nothing bad's going to happen. Or the person who actively understands something bad will happen if I do nothing and goes, I'm going to do something about these things that might affect me if I do nothing. I'm going to start paddling. I'm going to start swimming back up the beach. What are those things? You see, because it's easy to take my analogy and go too far with it. Well, we're just talking about being at the beach. No. We're talking about the physical world that we live in, which the Bible says is governed currently by the devil himself. Though Jesus is sovereign, he's the king, he has chosen to leave his sovereign ownership in heaven for right now, and right now, the God of this age is the devil. He's the one that feeds what I call the teletoilet. And you could put a seat on the front of your television a lot of the times and you get the right view. That stuff that comes into your living room, those shows that you shouldn't watch, are not going to cause you to get closer to Jesus. And that's not saying everything, and I'm overgeneralizing to some extent. But think of it this way. 
If you don't resist the temptation to use that button to click on that show and you just passively go, well, that's nice. You ever noticed how the stuff you shouldn't be watching isn't in the introduction to the show? Oh, it's five or eight or ten minutes in before you realize, hey, this is pushing me into the sewer. You ever notice how when you're Friends, guys, it's Father's Day. Hey, man, it's beer 30. It's time to go. We're going to all go down. We're going to have, well, we're just going to have one. Turns into two. And then it turns into a DUI. You didn't do anything. You just got, well, okay. Just to be an equal opportunity offenders. You ladies that are wine moms. Because you can't be a wine mom and be a dude, so I'm going to go for both right here, right now, and offend everyone. Well, we're going to get together, we're going to review this book, and we're going to have a glass of Cabernet, and then you look in what's the book, and all of a sudden, your husband don't look so hot anymore. Your life that you live now just kind of doesn't match up. Well, what happened? You got in the current, you stopped swimming, You started bobbing, you started relaxing, and before you know it, your head is someplace that you never thought it would go. You drifted. You see, we we can take these things and we can overly simplify them. This is not just about you knowing what the Bible says. It's about you doing what it says. It's about being a doer of the word, not a hearer only. I love this quote from David Frost. Television is an invention of humanity that permits you to be entertained by people in your living room that you would not actually let in your home. You see, you can drift. There are channels you should probably block. There are things you shouldn't watch. Are you drifting or are you anchored? Is your soul anchored as we'll see in Hebrews 6? You see, because you're not anchored to Jesus, you're going to drift. If you're not paying attention, you're going to float. You're going to float into complacency. You're going to float into political partisanship. You're going to float into apathy. You're going to float into alcohol. You're going to float into hypersexuality. You're going to float into drugs. You're going to float into the mystique of, you know, wealth somehow will satisfy. You're going to float someplace. And you're going to find out when you get there that you don't want to be there. Don't drift. It never works out the way it seems. It's not like the lazy river you find at a water park that just brings you back around to the same place. It brings you someplace you don't want to go. The truth of the matter is, as far as believers, our our lives should be anchored in heaven. That's how we should know what we should do. That's the reference point that's on the beach. That's the lifeguard tower, if you will. You should look up there and know Jesus is over there. I'm over here. I need to go that way. But if I don't, if I just say, ah, I'll get to it later. Before you know it, 
You're so far down the beach, you don't even want to come back. You drift away. There are two sinful bookends that are mentioned here. They're in verse 2. It's, it's active neglect and passive neglect. Transgression and disobedience are the two words there. Transgression is you being actively disobedient. It's like a dereliction of duty, if you will, that you're actively involved in it. You see, disobedience is, is one of those things that most of us, we kind of look at, ah, I'm not going to actually disobey the Lord. I don't want to do that. But can I tell you what happens? Is if you pick up the second one, which is the passive neglect, the sins that are just sins of omission, you don't do what you can do, you don't take the high road, you're okay floating in the not-so-good water, you're in that place, you don't pay attention to your sat-nav, your satellite navigation, you're not looking at your GPS, or if you're an old-school sailor, a compass, if you're not looking at God's Word, then pretty soon any course is an okay course. There's a reason that satellite navigation works. There's a reason the GPS, one of the most wonderful functions on your phone is that GPS locator that's on there. Just saying. You pick it up and that little blue dot is you. That's where you are. Everybody's got to be someplace. You can look on your phone. That's where I am. The reason it works is its viewpoint. What's its viewpoint? Its viewpoint is heaven. The reason you can be located on your phone is that those satellites that are orbiting around Earth are constantly pinging the data on your cell phone, and it triangulates your position often to within a few feet. So you can tell whether your phone is in your bedroom or in your living room. You can, you can get pretty seriously accurate with it. If you want a real trip, download the Find Your Friends app. Get your kids to share it with you, and you can tell where they are 24 hours a day if their phone's with them. It's trippy. Why? Because its viewpoint is heaven. Because the anchor is in heaven, it knows where you are. And it knows the direction you should go. And so much like that satellite navigation or GPS function on your phone, or maybe you have that in a boat If you are not paying attention to the data, if your anchor chain is not in heaven so that you're being located by it, you can end up someplace you don't want to go. And so that is passive. You don't have to do anything. You can just simply neglect what's going on in your life spiritually, and you're going to end up in a place you didn't think you'd ever end up. You have to turn on that information in your life. It comes through other believers. It comes through prayer. It comes through the Holy Spirit. And it most definitely comes through the Word of God and what we know about our salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. You see, I don't want to be passive. I want to make course corrections. When you sit there and look, if, if you're a sailor, you start out here from California, you're off half a degree. The Hawaiian island chain is about 1,300 miles long. You, half a degree, you can miss the whole Hawaiian island chain traveling that 2,400 miles that you have to get to get to Hawaii. Half a degree doesn't seem like much. So you're going, man, this kind of looks like Russia. I don't know what happened. Well, it's because you were passive. You weren't paying attention. You weren't looking. You didn't check 
the data as it was coming to you. You weren't listening to the Holy Spirit. And before you know it, how did I get here? Church, omission is sometimes a greater danger than commission. Not paying attention can get you to places to where you're in a situation where you're going to sin. You don't want either of these things. We want to be doers, not just hearers only. As the apostles testified of these things in their own life, they were saying, look, this is the direction to go. This is how you should live your life. These are the things that should occur. So you have those data points. You can go, that's what a Christian's supposed to look like. That's where a Christian's supposed to be going. What are the signs? What, what happens in a person's life? If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then you love other people the way that God loves them. There are all kinds of things that help us get oriented towards heaven. The Spirit gives you personally information that you can go, yeah, that's not, not from the Lord. It orients you personally. So what are the signs? Because here's the truth. You know you're off course. You're looking up there and saying, I don't think that's Jesus. That doesn't look like anything I heard in the Word. You, you know you're going the wrong direction. It's like, well, it'll work itself out. You know, if I just stay in this relationship with this unbeliever, it'll work out. If I just keep going the wrong direction, it'll eventually work out. I mean, after all, the earth is around. I'll come, about, I'll come around to the other side eventually. I know a lot of Christians that live their life that way. She said, well, I'll get back there sooner or later. I've had people tell me, well, you know, I, I don't know about coming back to church. And it's like, you know, it's like, I've been kind of doing this and doing that. And it's been nice to have my Sundays free. And the whole time the devil's going, praise the Lord, cut the anchor chain. There it goes, bobbing around in the sea. Devil doesn't tell you when you're going to get to the rocks. Doesn't tell you when you're going to go over the falls. He doesn't tell you any of that stuff. He's just going, yep, not paying attention. Awesome. This is going to be great. And the devil's just sitting there going, I don't have to do a thing. Because Jeff's just floating. Not paying attention. He's going to hit the rocks. He's not going to know what hit him. What are some of the signs? Well, fortunately, for all you that are here or watching online, you're taking care of one of those signs. If you're not paying attention to the Word, you're not studying the Word of God, then you're going to be drifting, period. How about praying about everything? You realize the Bible says pray about everything and also pray about everything without ceasing. In other words, to have an active prayer life that's engaging in hearing from the Lord by the Holy Spirit so that when you're looking which way you should go and determining where you are in life, that you're actually getting something from the Lord. Because if you ask, he will answer. Amen? What happens if you don't ask? Pretty simple. You don't get answers to questions you don't ask. You don't get input to your course. 
God's just going, I'd love to tell you not to go there, but you haven't asked me. How about fellowship with other believers? Anybody in this room actually been corrected by another believer? Hey, you're going the wrong way, and that brother or sister was able to tell you don't go that way? I have. You you see, you know you're drifting when you stop asking for directions. Especially from God, and secondarily from other Christians. Here's what happens when you're drifting. You ask non-believers a spiritual question. Well, what do you think I should do in this situation? And you go ask your heathen friend that doesn't know the Lord. What do you think they're going to tell you? Dump the dude. He's no good for you. You deserve better. That's El Diablo. You need to get your information from Jesus. Not from TV, not from magazines, not from books, and not from your unsaved friends. Do you love God with all that you are? You see, because somebody who really wants to hear from God has a love relationship with him. Connie and I can sit around and talk about virtually nothing for hours. Why? Because we love each other deeply. We talk about the craziest, dumbest stuff. We talk We've got a new puppy, and it's like, we're, it's like we're enamored with a puppy. It makes no sense whatsoever. So you see what she just did? She just ate up the couch. We're laughing. Why? Because we love each other. And we don't care about that, any of that stuff. It's based on a love relationship. You hate sin. You actually want to go the right direction. Do you want to go the right direction? Because if you do, you have to hate the wrong direction. Do you love God? If you don't love God supremely, you're going to go the wrong direction. You're going to just go, oh, I'll just go the other way. Do the things of God or the things of the world come first for you? Now, I know this may seem almost impossible, but it's not. Paul, as he wrote to the church of Philippi, said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God himself, didn't consider it robbery. He came in the likeness of men and appearing as a man. You, you see these, these promises there. Ephesians chapter 2, those good works that God created you for, that you used to be dead in your trespasses and sins, you see the signs of drifting and the signs of neglect are actually quite easy for us to see. Because we know how they stack up to how we should look if we're really walking with the Lord. The type of character they should have, if you will. The frequency with which we attend unto the things of God as opposed to the things of the world. And the truth of the the matter is, Paul in Philippians 3 said, but what things were gained to me? What things? Pretty much anything and everything in life. That would include every relationship and all of his material possessions. Anything that was in Paul's life, he said, I have counted as loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I count also all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I actually count them as trash, rubbish, 
The Apostle Paul says there in Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8, that I may gain Christ. You see, that's a person who knows the value of the things in the world as they relate to the things of God. That's someone who wants to go the right direction, who's unwilling to just float around in this world and see what happens. That's somebody who says, I'm going to get rid of the stuff that might get me off course so that I can have the things that are going to keep me on course. They're going to place me where God wants me. And so the signs are actually very visible. You know when you're dumpster diving, church. You you know when you're out where you shouldn't be. You know when you're doing what you shouldn't do. The Holy Spirit is very good at giving us the conviction of sin and of righteousness. It's like, this is wrong, this is right. These things are what you're supposed to do, and these things are not what you're supposed to do. And if you don't pay attention, guess which way you drift? Towards the things you're not supposed to do. That's the way the world's going. That's where you live. That's what your flesh wants to do, because it's, at, it's still in rebellion to God. Your flesh has to be made to submit, Amen. That's why Paul said, I have to beat myself into submission. I I take my flesh and I chasten my flesh because my flesh wants to drift along with the world. And for sure, you know, the devil's behind your boat. He's got his hands on the transom and he's kicking away trying to get you to go the wrong direction. So we need to do something about that. Close this out. You, You don't have to go over the devil's waterfall in that trash can. You just simply say, look, I'm sorry, Lord, I was going wrong. I wasn't paying attention. First John 1, 9 is pretty clear. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive it. And to cleanse us. He'll get us back on course. He'll, he'll take us back up the beach, put us right where we're supposed to be. We can be confident of that. And we can also, and this is so important, church, even our mess-ups Hear me well. Even our mess-ups, God can use for good in the life of a believer. So it's not how badly you messed up, it's do you want to stop drifting? Are you going to put that in God's hands so that he can use it together to the good for those who love God and are the called according to his purposes, that promise of Romans 8.28? You see, that promise applies to believers who intentionally want what God wants. In other words, we're saying Yes to the Lord and no to the things of the world. We're not drifting. We're not just seeing what we can get if we do nothing. That promise is for the person who says, Lord, I want your best. I want you to work that together for my good. That thing may not be good. Be very careful how you interpret that verse. Because it doesn't say all things are good. He uses the Greek word synergizo. All things work together to the good. In other words, they're in, in God's hands, by his plans and purposes. What he does with them ultimately in the life of a believer will work out to the good. In other words, your eternal good for those who love God. Those who are paying attention. Those who are not drifting. Those who are not simply omission, walking this path of, I'll just do nothing. If I do nothing, it'll be okay. Because we have people in this world say, well, if you don't do anything, you can't get in trouble. That is not true. If you do nothing, you're still going to be opposed. 
by the world, the flesh, and the devil. So if you don't want to drift, get engaged. If you want to know that Romans 8 passage begins, and this we know. I know what God's going to do with it if I do my part. If I'm believing I'm one of his chosen children, called children. If I'm not letting my salvation experience just be one of desperation. You know, there's a lot of desperate Christians that just kind of throw themselves at the world and they want to see what happens. Don't be that person. Be intentional about your salvation experience. Don't let anyone cut the anchor chain. Don't drift. Allow God to put some bigger flippers on you so you can make it back up the beach. Yes, he will work all those things together ultimately. But some people are tossed by an awful lot of wind and waves of this life because they simply drifted. They ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time because they weren't paying attention. They didn't do anything with their salvation. Don't let that be you. If you want a victorious life, don't drift. Be intentional about your walk with the Lord. Put everything into it. It's worth it. It's going to work out for your good a whole lot better and a whole lot quicker if you will intentionally say, Lord, I'm not going to float around in this stuff. I'm going to swim back up to where Jesus is and I'm going to be up there with him. Amen? Would you stand with me and we'll close in prayer? If you need specific prayer after service, our prayer team is available in the prayer room. Love to pray with you about something that's specific. I want to pray over us because I don't know a single person that hasn't been affected by some form of drifting in their walk with the Lord to where they just weren't paying attention. And so we'll pray for all of us. But if you need something specifically prayed for, please go and be prayed for. If you don't know the Lord and you want to start that journey and get out of the boat of this world and onto the boat of Jesus. We'd love to share the good news of the gospel with you there as well. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the times when, uh, Lord, I've been so far down the beach and you reminded me to get out of the water and walk back to where you are. And Father, I'm so grateful for that work. And I pray if there's anyone here today that's just been struggling, they've been bobbing around, floating. Lord, they've been pushed in directions they they knew really that they shouldn't go and they ended up someplace that they know they shouldn't be. God, would you be gracious and merciful and kind to us and Lord, help us to swim the right direction, go against the tide of this world. Lord, to be right in the center of where you want us to be safe and secure right in front of your lifeguard tower in heaven. Uh, Lord, playing in that surf that was designed for us, that perfect work that you called us to. So, Lord, we thank you for your word and its power to transform us and change us. Help us, Lord, to be active with our faith and not passive in this world so that we can live a life that is well-pleasing to you and useful for you, the King, and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.